WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. Something that I really love to do is to cook every day. I like experimenting with different cuisines and just relaxing and thinking, just what am I going to make today? I love bringing out my creativity in the kitchen. And I also like that it reminds me of chemistry, too. Today, we're talking to Sam Evald about his research on creativity with a focus of the culinary arts. Sam, can you explain what do you research and tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. I'm a fifth year PhD candidate now, and this is my dissertation study to look at creativity and practice. And I'm pulling from and seeing how the culinary world works with in conversation with the education world, in particular with English teaching and their practices. Thanks for coming on the show, Sam. Could you talk to us and the audience a little bit about why you're studying specifically how creativity is used in culinary arts versus any other kind of discipline that exists out there? Sure. The reason I chose the culinary arts was mainly because of my love of cooking shows. My interest went into thinking there's creativity in practice and looking at the ways chefs use, in particular, the idea of a recipe. So for me, I kind of take this idea of the recipe as a resource, and it made me think through how does this also apply to, in particular, because my particular field is education, how does it apply to teachers in practice? Whenever a chef is using a recipe, it's kind of like how I imagine, like I was saying with chemistry, how you have a protocol. You can't really get creative, at least in chemistry, with the protocol. You don't want to like change the concentration of something and then mess up the whole experiment. So that leads me to wonder, how is creativity incorporated with recipes? I love that question, Chelsea. Thanks for asking that. I've interviewed four chefs and I asked them about this. Do they see themselves as creators or are they recreating when they have a recipe that they go from? They all say that they're creating because they take the recipe as a baseline to say, okay, here's one way or even multiple recipes because one of the chefs was building out her Thanksgiving menu in particular for a pie. And it was just a delicious interview to listen to how she pulled from books and websites and all these various recipes to then say, okay, so here's a baseline idea of what I want to create. But then her personal style that gets mixed into the recipe of adding in these other layers that she can make her own. Conversely, for the other chefs of how they can make the recipe their own into creating something. That makes a lot of sense. Chelsea and I actually will take different recipes that we also like and we'll incorporate them into the different dishes that we make in our kitchen as well. When it comes to the interviews that you were performing, were you only interviewing chefs or were you also interviewing educators as well? I interviewed four teachers that are secondary English teachers to bound the study and then four chefs. I'm glad that you were also able to get the teacher's perspective as well. And since I used to work at an elementary school, I have to ask, were these teachers all from one grade or were they dispersed across different ages? They were all from secondary, meaning high school, in this case, high school English teachers, and they were not bounded to any particular state or region. They're in the Midwest to the South. It's interesting to me that you're interviewing only English teachers from high school. 
What was the particular purpose of using only English teachers versus other subjects like biology, chemistry, or algebra? One, my particular background is English. And in particular, my focus of research has been with literacy practices. And one reason to focus the study with just English teachers. Two, it was also to limit the scope of and breadth of how much research I would have to do with other practices in other fields concerning whether it was biology, math, of whether it's algebra, calculus, even phys ed. There's so much that occurs with every type of teacher, regardless of the subject matter. I just wanted to bound it to just English teachers in the high school level. From what I remember from my English classes, it was a lot of reading books and writing essays. The time that creativity came most into play whenever I was writing my essays. Whenever you were conducting these interviews, did you ask the chefs and the English teachers the same questions in regards to creativity? And did they have similar responses? Yeah, I actually, with the first interview for all of them, asking, what is creativity? I wanted to establish a baseline across fields and across the participants of their words of how are they viewing and defining creativity. And for the most part, they all talked about creativity as this internal trait, right? This element that we possess in terms of whether it's a gift, whether it's a skill set like problem solving, or just a way in which we can make something or innovate something. And so that was just a way to build out that initial baseline. I then went into a natural dialogue of interview questions. Gotcha. So it sounds like you were able to have these really personal conversations with the educators and the chefs about how they use creativity in their field. Out of all of the interview questions that you asked, which one did you ask gave you the most surprising information about how creativity plays a role in their lives and in their teaching? You know, I don't know if there was one particular question that I asked every participant, but I think in terms of when I conducted a live plan, which was a part of the whole interview process, where during this live plan, because it was during COVID, it was through Zoom, and I got to talk to them and watch them either conduct a live lesson plan or a live menu plan, something that had to do with them doing something in action of practice. And during this, that's when I got to see a lot of them in action concerning the teachers and even the and the chefs and the ways in which they were thinking through whether it's a menu or a special that they were thinking of creating. And it was a really beautiful process to just see these professionals in action and to kind of pull the veil back and see how they were thinking, what they thought about, what resources they pulled from. And it was just a really good gift to be able to have that as a part of the interview. In my opinion, everyone has the potential to be creative. However, whenever they're young, that creativity can be stunted. As we're growing older, in a lot of our education, we're taught to think a certain way. How to brainstorm, for example. Like everyone has done a Venn diagram or those webs of thinking and brainstorming. Whenever you were talking to these interviewees, Did they think through these lesson plans or these recipes in different ways and different methods? Or do you think that they still had the same thought process whenever they were planning? Some of the things that I'm finding with how they're going about their practices is there there is commonality here 
when they ran into what I labeled initially this thing called like a limitation. Some of us might think of them as hurdles or roadblocks, right? Those metaphors that we think of when we run into a wall and, and there's a problem that needs to be solved. And so for some of these, for a lot of the teachers, it was how to approach building a classroom community with COVID occurring and virtual teaching. And for the chefs, some of them were thinking through of, okay, so I'm planning this menu special, but I have, I'm projecting into the second half of the fall, like right around Thanksgiving time, what seasonal items are going to be around? What's the price going to be? What's going to be a fair price at that time? And so there was a really interesting thing that when they ran into these moments that once it's labeled a limitation or an inhibitor to their original idea of what they wanted to do. But what I found was it just kind of became this way to almost flip the script to become more creative and think of ways to sort of, so how do I get around this hurdle or how do I jump it sort of problem solve it, but not necessarily problem solve because they're more or less planning in the moment. And so there was a lot of improvisation practices that occurred without even thinking. It was just like this automatic thing that the teachers did or that the chefs did and was really cool to see and listen to and practice. You're right, Sam. Obstacles sometimes force people to be creative because they realize that they have to think outside of the box and think of solutions that they're not normally prompted to think of. One of the things that your research and your dissertation has me thinking about through this interview is I wonder about what kind of resources people are using to actually formulate and build the foundation for the creative ideas that they're trying to make. One of our previous interviewees, Hamid, was studying how teachers will pull materials from Pinterest to try and make the way that they teach their subject more creative. Yeah, actually, the resources are categorized the way that the previous research that I found read, they categorize them as conventional, which is something like books, websites, textbooks, right? Standards, policy documents. Then you have social resources, which are things like mentors. For educators, it's mentor teachers for the teacher interns. For others, it's kind of like a social group, like uh, professional learning communities. Sometimes it's even social as in you know, I would consider something like YouTube, conventional and social resource, because it's social in the sense that others put something out there onto the internet. And then it's conventional in the sense that YouTube, it's more than 10 years old. I think it's even closer to 20 years old at this point of just a conventional resource that people go to for information, whether it's cooking or sometimes I've had to use it for fixing the pipes in my bathroom and kitchen. True. I believe that social resources are especially important, especially like, for example, let's say that you have a cohort of teachers that teach a specific grade. Those teachers can come together and collaborate on their lesson plans and then tell each other what works and what may not work as well. By coming together whenever they're collaborating, they increase their creativity. That leads me to my next question. Whenever you were conducting these interviews, did you ask the teachers and these chefs about their experiences with interactions and collaborating with others and if that promotes their creativity? Absolutely. For me, I am coming from a social cultural perspective, meaning the way I'm viewing the learning and practices is that they are built by our social experiences and our cultural experiences. 
think of it like a layer cake, right? Uh, it's almost, but not just two layers, but think of it as a, a very extreme tiramisu or quadruple layer cake, right? There's so all of these layers which represent different elements of our experiences. And to a T, every chef and teacher, they all spoke about their experiences with other people. So for example, one chef, she makes this just to die for peanut butter and paprika cookie. And I had to ask her about how that one came about because she made 12 of them. And then I immediately ate six of them. And I didn't have any regrets eating six of them. But then I had to ask her, how did this idea come about? Because to me, that is really novel and new and, you know, quote unquote, creative. And she said it came from her dad as a joke of combining peanut butter and paprika. So she looked into it, found a few ways to think through, and then created this peanut butter paprika cookie. It's great that in this 21st century world, the resources that people can draw from has grown exponentially comparatively to like 30 years ago, for example. However, within the past year alone, things have dramatically changed in the education world just because of the pandemic. I'm curious about when you performed your interviews. Did you conduct these interviews prior to the pandemic, or are you still performing them? And have you noticed any changes in the tone with how teachers are implementing creativity in their current educational style? Unfortunately, all the interviews with both the chefs and the teachers were done during the pandemic. So the original intent was to interview them in person, watch them in their classroom or in their kitchens. But COVID hit and the pandemic hit and quarantining. So everything pivoted to doing online interviews through Zoom or whatever video conferencing website that they had available for them. And so it was during this time of the summer from May through August that I was able to conduct the interviews with everyone. I think that's really good for your data that you were able to conduct these interviews during the pandemic, because I think creativity is especially important right now during the pandemic, where everyone is at home right now. They may feel very locked up, but still they may be doing like cool crafty things right now, especially with the holidays. Whenever you were asking these questions to your participants, did you ask them about how the pandemic may be affecting their creativity, especially like how their students may be affected by it? I never specifically asked them about the pandemic or COVID in terms of how is it impacting them and could they speak about it with their creativity. The reason I did that was to make sure that I didn't set a, a study that was perhaps just locked in time, even though it is like now I realize post data collection that it is a part of this and it's going to be a part of the study and, and thousands of other studies out there. But no, I didn't ask specifically about the pandemic or COVID other than just, hey, are they healthy? Are they well? And so it was interesting to hear the responses, though, of how they did intuitively or unconsciously bring that into the conversations that we had. Well, at least you're able to conduct your interviews regardless of the pandemic, which is still great since you're able to continue making progress towards your PhD. Are you planning to conduct any more interviews for your research? And if not, how do you plan to analyze your data and draw conclusions from it? Thankfully, at least at the moment, I think I'm done collecting the interview data from the participants. 
In terms of analyzing the data, I've already done two rounds of coding the data. And so the first round was in vivo coding, which was using the participant words to set the standard and to also value the way that they phrase things, whether it was about creativity, resources, practices. And then from there, I took their words and started moving them into the categories based upon prior research that I found with creativity, resources, and practices. And so at the moment, as I'm analyzing this data, I'm trying to find what is the data saying? What are their words and the research saying about practices and about creativity? And it's been really interesting seeing what initial findings are coming to the fore. Well, I'm happy that you're already able to gather all the data that you need, and now you just have to analyze it. I think that your research topic is very interesting. I'm wondering what motivated you to do this? I was told one thing that was really, that kind of stuck with me for the first four years of my program. It was to find a dissertation topic that you would love to study. Not so much initially love to study, but to love to study for an entire year. Well, at least the hope is that it's a year. And so that really stuck with me of trying to find out what am I passionate about learning? What am I passionate about discovering and being curious about? and trying to find more in terms of the answers to questions that I have. And so I took a passion of mine that I had with culinary arts and cooking and baking, and then I melded it with my current research focus of literacy and literacy practices with education. And so I married the two, or to use a cooking pun, I created a marinade between the two to form this new thing. I can really relate to that idea of being really interested in different diverse topics, but wanting to somehow combine them all together. I think that's maybe probably why I'm so interested in actually in nuclear physics because of my chemistry and physics background together. It's a nice little co-relationship between the two. Thanks for joining us again today, Sam, to talk to us about your extremely creative research and good luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was a real pleasure and a gift to be a part of this. The Sci-Files is hosted by Chelsea Voodoo and Dan Puentes on Impact 89FM. Thank you to our news director, Taylor Halterman, program director, Amber Konutsky, station manager, Joe Dandrin, and general manager, Jeremy Whiting. The Sci-Files can be found online on scifiles.org and on your favorite podcast directory. If you're an MSU student and want to be featured on Sci-Files, or if you have any questions, you can contact us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening, and remember, the truth is in the science.